Well, I'm going to invite you to take your Bible and uh, she's remain standing just for a moment and turn with me to Job 38. Job chapter 38. And I'm going to read verses 1 through 7 um, of Job chapter 38. These are the words of God. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man. I will question you, and you make it known to me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? On what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together, And all the sons of God shouted for joy. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray. Our gracious God and Father, Son and Holy Spirit, bless us now as we consider uh, Your Word, uh, meditating on it for a few minutes here. We ask for Your blessings, Lord, um, in Christ's name. Amen. Um, I thought what I would do is, uh, as we have these, we'll have uh, every fifth Sunday, uh, every month where there's a fifth Sunday, we will have a hymn sing. And so, if we didn't get to some of your hymns tonight, we'll have another opportunity to do that. But I thought what we could do is, on these Sunday nights, I'll give you just a brief reflection on uh, some of the elements of why we sing. And, and so, over the course of the year, we'll touch on why we sing, what we're doing in song, and, and how we select uh, music for worship, that kind of thing. But um, I wanted to start tonight with Job chapter 38. And I'll confess to you that the, I started in one place, and as I got into my study, I wound up in a different place. And, um, and, and so, that's just the way that it, it goes. But I want you to notice in Job chapter 38, verse 7, this is where I wanted to begin. When, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So I started there, and I wanted to take you to this place where we were thinking about the angels singing and, uh, over God's creation, and I might have mixed in a little J.R.R. Tolkien and the Silmarillion and how the angels were singing as as the divine being was created, and by their singing, they were forming the words of God into the things that He created. But I think this is a fascinating verse. There's just a little parallelism there. The morning stars relate to the sons of God. Those are the same thing. And it's the same sons of God that we find in Job chapter 1. These are the angelic beings who present themselves to the Lord. But maybe on day 1 or 2 or 3, God creates all the angels at once, And so they serve as the witnesses to creation and and God presents them as then sort of forming the soundtrack. They're singing as the days are going along and everything is coming together. The angels are singing even before the fall. This is before the fall of the angels perhaps. They're all singing there together over God's creation. And I wanted to talk about that. 
But as I got into my study, um, I discovered some, some other elements of this. So notice, it does say, when the morning stars sang together. Um, and, and reading some of the comments by some Jewish rabbis, they, they take that this is actually a reference to the morning stars, that the stars themselves were producing music in creation, and there's some truth to that. Um, it, it is known that stars and planets produce sound waves. They are inaudible sound waves. They're, they are so low, these, the frequency is so low that you and I cannot, cannot perceive it. But you can go to NASA's website and you can actually listen to um, a production of, of the music of the universe, as it were, they raise, the, they raise it to um, a frequency that you and I can hear. And so you can imagine the sound that the planets are making and that the stars are making. So some Jewish rabbis would say this is actually the music of the planets. And we're going to talk about that just for a moment. Because the music of the spheres that is referenced in the hymn, This Is My Father's World, refers to an actual belief that as the planets in their orbit are producing friction, as it were, they produce music. They produce a sound. And so in earlier times, men believed in the music of the spheres, that these planets, these celestial bodies, are producing a harmonious sound. And so there was a Greek philosopher by the name of Pythagoras. Some of you studied, I know you know, the Pythagorean theorem. Would you, can you state it for us right now, Harry? <laughs> Pythagoras, um, Pythagoras became really, really interested in mathematics in, in the 500s BC. So this is 500 years um, before the transition of the Roman Empire and the appearance of Christ, all of that occurred. Pythagoras took a really a deep interest in mathematics. And so, whereas before Pythagoras, they were applying math to things like calculating the area of a field, weights and measures and that sort of thing, Pythagoras said, what if we apply mathematics to the universe? And so he was one of the first to demonstrate um, that pleasing musical tones can't um, come from mathematical ratios. I, might, I know that's, I should be speaking Greek maybe for some of that. But I wanted, I wanted to give you just a little demonstration. So for instance, an octave expresses two notes that are exactly eight tones apart. So I was going to ask Shane if he would play just the C scale. So he's gone up eight notes. Now, um, C4, which is middle C, and C5, will you play just those two? Are exactly eight notes apart, and it can be expressed in frequencies. Now, Pythagoras, I don't think, understood this, but C4 vibrates at a frequency of 262 hertz, and C5 vibrates exactly twice that at 531 hertz. Now, Pythagoras, what he realized is if he took, if he took a, um, 
a string from an instrument and he pulled it tight and you, you, you run a bow across that string and it vibrates, it makes a tone. And if you shorten it by half, it raises the pitch exactly one octave. It, it makes the same note one octave higher. So he noted that the notes which to, together produce pleasing tones to the ear occur at set intervals. It's not just random. For instance, given two strings equally taut and heavy, one twice as long as the other, the longer will vibrate with a pitch one octave lower than the shorter one will. So an octave is an expression of the proportion two to one. The fourth note in a scale is a ratio of four to three. The fifth note in a scale is a ratio of three to two. And so what Pythagoras noticed is that the numbers one, two, three, and four are in all of these ratios. And when you triangulate those or add them, one plus two plus three plus four, you get the number 10. And so Pythagoras said that the number 10 is the universal perfect number. And we find that actually in Scripture. Um, no one comes to church for a math lesson. I get that. However, what you should note is that the concept of beauty is a quantifiable concept. I want you to think about that. I grew up, I grew up, I love to listen to country music, radio, we would listen. I actually made my kids listen to, on, we went on YouTube and we listened to Casey Kasem. Do y'all remember Casey Kasem would come on? We, I made him listen to the, the countdown. And, um, but we all, we, you probably grew up in appreciating different, maybe a different style of music. I listened to Hank Williams Jr. and Sr. and all that stuff. And you grew up in appreciating maybe a different style of music. Um, y'all look like some, you enjoy rap music. Um, but, and, and you can say, well, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But what Pythagoras began to understand is actually that's not quite true. Beauty is quantifiable. And he said, I can tell you which notes go together in a mathematical expression. You can calculate it which ones work together and which ones don't. And this is actually true for visual art as well. You can tell something that will be beauty, uh, something that is symmetrical is much more pleasing to the eye than dissymmetry. You think about the golden ratio as well that determines what is beautiful to the eye. Pythagoras demonstrated then that beauty is mathematically quantifiable. Why is that important to the Christian? Because even the expression of something like musical beauty leads us back to the infinite wisdom of our Creator God. You see, what, what, what Pythagoras was noticing by all of this logic in the universe is exactly what the Scriptures demonstrate. It is created and ordered by God. You see, an atheist, he can't explain beauty. He, cannot, he can identify it. And he will say, that's beautiful, or that's good. But he will never recognize why. 
And it all points us back to our Creator, God. And so I want you to think about this. When we sing as a congregation on Sunday mornings, we express God's infinite wisdom in two ways. The first way is by the truths that our words express. We confess our faith. We pray through singing together. We sing true things about the true God. But the second way is by the function of our mouths and ears. As we use our vocal cords to form notes, our mouths to shape words, our ears to hear what others are singing, we are in that moment exhibiting and enjoying the wisdom of our Creator. He designed the laws that make music enjoyable and the ear that perceives those sounds and the soul that is enveloped in the joy all to his own praise. Something to think about when you sing together on Sunday. Timothy Steele, who is a professor at Calvin College in Grand Rapids, Michigan, he says this, they have a capstone course in music. And he says, in that capstone course in music, one of the things that we do is we bring music back to the Creator. He says this in his little book, For thousands of years, musicians have noticed that music both reflects and embodies these aspects of creation. That it is ordered in the sense of exhibiting a harmonious design and that it embodies an an ordered process that unfolds in time. This is the composition. The connection of these things to musical uses of sound and time brings us into the general conversation about music theory. To discuss music theory is to discuss the wisdom of our Creator God. To sing is to express the wisdom of our Creator God. And so I just want to finish by saying, what's fascinating about Pythagoras is that he, he comes up with these ratios and he looks into, the, he looks into space, into the heavens, and he says, well, this, this must apply, this, this uniformity, this, this uh, logic, this rational, rationale must be expressed in the heavens. And so his idea was that the farther a planet got away from the center of the universe, the faster it must have orbited. Well, he was wrong. But in the 16th and 17th centuries, Someone else took up Pythagoras' idea about planetary movement. And he reversed it. And he said, actually what happens is the farther you get away from the sun, the center of our solar system, the slower the planets move. And so a man by the name of Johannes Kepler developed the third law of planetary motion. And I won't give it to you because I don't understand it either. But I want you to get this. Music theory to the laws of planetary movement, think about that, all belong to the orbit of our great God and the world that he's created. And so the music of the spheres then is the sounds that the planets were supposedly making as they orbited the universe. That's what the music of the spheres, representing the wisdom of God. But I want to give you just in conclusion as we think about our great God and His wisdom, even in designing music, 
Kepler expressed his joy in these words. Johannes Kepler, Laws of Planetary Movement, and here's what he said. The wisdom of the Lord is infinite. So are His glory and His power. Ye heavens, sing His praises. Sun, moon, and planets glorify Him in your ineffable language. Celestial harmonies, all ye who comprehend His marvelous works, praise Him. And thou, my soul, praise thy Creator. It is by Him and in Him that all exists. To Him be praise, honor, and glory throughout eternity. There's nothing that we can do in this life to escape the wisdom of God. Our joy, our singing is an expression of His wisdom. Amen. Let's pray. Our great God in heaven, we do thank You so much for all that You've designed. Indeed, um, the songs that we, ex- we sing, Lord, express Your wisdom and power and holiness and justice and truth and Your goodness and, and Your being, Lord, all of this is expressed in our singing and our love and our joy, our love to You and our joy in who You are as being our Father by adoption. But Lord, our singing also expresses Your great wisdom. Even to speak expresses the wisdom of God. Lord, the the harmonies that we form by singing a four-part song with soprano, alto, tenor, and bass, Lord, all these express Your wisdom and the the spacing of the notes and the conjoining of the composition, the the spacing out of the time on the staff, Lord, all of this expresses Your wisdom. It is all an aspect of Your creation that man has simply discovered and used for what purpose? To express Your praise. And so we thank You for all that You've given us, O Lord, and for how it makes our hearts happy. We praise You in Jesus' name. Amen.